Well, good morning all. I couldn't see so many. I don't see many empty chairs this morning. That's, that's wonderful. Wonderful to see more of you with us today. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you that you've given us life which is full of all sorts of good things. And you've given us new life in our risen, living Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for all that you want to give to us and do for us and do through us. Forgive us that sometimes we underestimate our own potential. And Father, we ask this morning that you will, by your Spirit, speak into our hearts and lives and encourage us to move forward from wherever we are now in relation to you. Give us a fresh desire to move forward, to get to know you better, and to become more deeply in love with our Lord Jesus Christ and more empowered by your mighty Holy Spirit. So we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit now, for me as I speak and for all of us as we consider and respond to what you will say in Jesus' name. We're going to look this morning at one or two verses in Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52. Some of you may just remember that in the early days of renewal in the church in recent years, I'm going back about 40 plus years, um, what came out really, as far as songs were concerned, before the many songs that have come out since, we had first of all what was called scripture in song. And that's exactly what it was. It was words of scripture set to music. And this particular um, verse with which I'm starting here was one that was put into a song and we sang it fervently many years ago. Alright, Isaiah 52 verse 1 Awake, awake, O Zion clothe yourself with strength put on your garments of splendor O Jerusalem, the holy city the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again shake off your dust, rise up Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing, without money you will be redeemed. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, at first my people went down to Egypt to live, lately Assyria has oppressed them. And now what do I have here, declares the Lord? For my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock declares the Lord. And all day long my name is constantly blasphemed, therefore my people will know my name, therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Amen. There are four things here I want to draw your attention to. And they're all blessings the Lord wants us to experience. Now we probably, many of us, most of us, have them in measure already. But, as I prayed earlier, there is always the possibility of growing spiritually. And that's what God desires. We desire that for our children. We've got an Olympic runner in this congregation. Did they know that? She's still getting faster and faster and faster every time I come. Oh, I can hardly see her. She goes so fast. 
Well, all right. The first thing that I want us to think about is ability. Hmm. We sometimes comment on people we know or meet, and we say, you know, they have tremendous ability. The things that person is able to do is quite amazing. A great variety of ability. Strengths to do this, that and the other. The know-how and the strength to do it. Awake, awake, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Now, how many times in the week do you and I normally clothe ourselves? Well, at least seven times when we get up in the morning, don't we? So let's look at this as in the t light of that very fact that clothing is something we put on freshly each day. Maybe the same clothes we had on the day before. We put them on again next morning. And that reminds us that it's appropriate for us to seek to have fresh ability each day for the living of life in that day. Go back from it to the Old Testament, to Exodus chapter 15. The Hebrew people were for a very long time living in Egypt and latterly became Pharaoh's slave labor and had a very, very bad time. And then God said, enough is enough. And he miraculously got them out of Egypt. The Red Sea was dried up and those who were destined to go to freedom the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. That day the Lord saved Israel from the Egyptians. Now it's no surprise that the next thing we're told that these people do, did under leadership of Moses, he was around my age, he was over 80, the next thing they did was to sing and praise God. And the song is here in Exodus 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. Interesting that it's in the singular. I mean, there were a vast number of them. And yet they didn't sing, we will sing to the Lord. It was, I will sing to the Lord. This is what he's done for me. So each individual was responding positively and full of praise to God for his blessing on them and his rescue of them. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Some of you may know already these words appear elsewhere in Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 12, in Psalm 118, verse 14, it's not just here we find believers, these Old Testament believers making this statement the Lord is my strength and my song he has become my salvation one of the sources of strength is joy much later in the history of the Jewish people when they had been in exile but many were now back in their homeland back in Jerusalem and one day they had a special Bible reading day and people were hearing God's word read for the first time for a very long time and they began to weep partly perhaps because they were so thrilled to hear of God's purpose for them and his desire to bless them and partly because they realized they had just not been living God's way and seeking to please him 
And Nehemiah, the leader, said, This is not a day for weeping, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, many of us have proved that already. Joy brings strength. Mm -hmm. Now, this is something, this ability we have, we've all got natural abilities, but God wants to give us supernatural ability as well. And these abilities are to be celebrated, but they also have to be appropriated. There was a time when King David was working with another group of people, and they went out to fight together. When they came back to base at a place called Ziklag, they discovered their enemies had come and burned the city to the ground and taken away all the women and children who were left behind. Well, you can imagine what they did. They wept. The Bible says they wept until they could cry no more. They couldn't weep another tear. They wept all the tears they had. They were so upset. And worse than that, they threatened to stone David. They blamed him for what had gone wrong. Well, well. And then we're told that David, the king, encouraged himself in the Lord. He'd lost his home in Ziklag. He'd lost his family for the time being. But he still had the Lord. And he suddenly realized he was not so badly off after all. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And there are times when you and I need to do that as well. Let's go over to the New Testament. Ephesians is one of our favorite places, I think. Let's look at various different references. And there we find that the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Christians in Ephesus in Turkey, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, the Father may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. He's praying that these people will gain more and more spiritual strength day by day in their innermost being. And it will be the work of the Father by the work of his Holy Spirit. Reminding us that in Ephesians 5, these same people are told, be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. And it's a present tense, and it's not a one-off experience. Keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I'm never tired of telling people this because it is so important. It's such a vital key to living the Christian life. Keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. What do you pray first thing in the morning? Well, among the, among the first things that I pray and am a first prayer of the day is for this very thing, to be freshly filled with the Spirit of God because He it is who releases the supernatural power of God in our lives. You see, no wonder the Apostle Paul could write to the Christians at Philippi and say to them, I can do everything in Him who gives me strength. It's amazing what children and athletes are being taught these days. A child speaking on television another day said something like this. If you put your mind to it, you can do anything. Really? That's interesting. Well, it does help a great deal putting your mind to it, as we all know. But, to do the great things God wants us to do, we need His power as well as ours. Right? So it's good to have a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit day by day. Sylvan Hughes, some of you will remember that name, of Every Day with Jesus fame and Revival magazine, is with the Lord now. He told once a story about a young Christian couple 
who had a child, young child, perhaps it's active as this little girl here, um, and the mother, that young mother, became unwell. And the doctor came and sought to treat her with medication, but nothing made any difference. She lay in bed day after day after day, just completely without strength. She was a Christian. And one day the Lord reminded her of the opening words of Psalm 27 in the King James Version. The Lord is the strength of my life. And that young mum began in her bed declaring out loud over and over again, the Lord is the strength of my life. And she kept doing it. And after a while she, she felt a bit more lively and she went out of bed and walked around the room declaring the Lord is the strength of my life and next thing she was going downstairs to join her husband and the little one. And she's still saying that the Lord is the strength of my life and next minute she's out in the garden. And not long before that she was completely weak and helpless in bed. How about that? For a surge of supernatural energy, healing, bringing strength to her limp body. See, what we say affects how we function. Yeah? We must be aware of making negative confessions. We all tend to do that. Well, I did a bit of negative confessing for the last week, last Monday, after the fall I had, because I was really sore. Uncomfortable, extremely so. And yet, negative confessions really get us nowhere. But positive confessions, declaring that which is possible and available with the blessing of God, just turns the tide in the situation and things begin to improve. And God wants you and me to increasingly have ability. Paul said, I can do everything in him and Jesus who strengthens me. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul could literally do everything, because he wouldn't want to anyway. It literally means that Paul was able, and you and I can become able, to do everything God wants us to do by his supernatural power. Praise God. So, don't forget to get dressed in the morning, will you? <laughs> Clothe yourself with strength. It's one thing to put on skirts and shoes and trousers and shirts and stuff, but uh, that doesn't make a lot of difference to our physical or our spiritual strength. But really, seeking afresh and filling of the Holy Spirit is a must. Don't, don't neglect it. It's, rest, it's common sense for a Christian to seek afresh and filling of the Holy Spirit every day. Strength for today. Yes. Ability. What comes next? Put on your garments of splendor. Put on your garments of splendor. This is a word that really refers to beauty, glory. Not the kind of beauty that's out of a bottle. Real, real beauty. <coughs> beauty that is glorious and splendid. Characterized by the word splendor. Actually, in two places in Isaiah further on, in 55.5 and 60 verse 9, the prophet writes that the Lord has endowed you, he's endowed you with splendor. You see, when we become Christians, God does far more than take away our sins and forgive them. He does far more than give us eternal life. He adds to our life that which is going to enrich us and enhance us. And if we remember, first of all, more, than, more important in a sense 
than the garments of splendor we're called to put on as believers there's the garments that God himself puts on us and they're mentioned in chapter 61 verse 10 chapter 61 of Isaiah is the passage from which our Lord Jesus himself quoted when he read in the synagogue at Nazareth and said in this day this scripture has come true because the passage says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news etc but that's to a lesser degree is also true of every Christian the Lord wants us to experience the spirit in such measure that we can humbly and gratefully say the Lord has anointed me with the spirit the apostle John says we have an anointing from the Holy One but before that there is chapter 61 verse 10 the same, the same passage that Jesus read from and there Isaiah is led to write I delight greatly in the Lord my soul rejoices in my God he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness and that's not clothing we put on it's clothing God puts on us when I come to Jesus to be saved from my sin, when I surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's pictorial language I know, but it symbolizes wonderful truth. Our lives are messed up when we first come to Jesus. Now don't pretend otherwise, because they are. We have sinned throughout our life, childhood, adolescence, into adult life and so on. And our lives, in God's eyes, are a bit of a mess. And God wants to cover up that mess. He forgives the sin, takes away the guilt, and covers us, clothes us with garments of salvation, and arrays us in a robe of righteousness. It's as if he casts an invisible, through an invisible robe over us, a robe of righteousness, covering all our unrighteousness, all our past, messed up past. It's all covered from the eyes of God. Isn't that wonderful? The little chorus I've sung to you before, I think, I'll not sing it, but maybe say it this time. I am covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. I am covered over with the blood of Jesus, and he lives in me. What a joy it is to know my Heavenly Father loves me so, and gives to me my Jesus. When he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be. He sees Jesus. That's true of all of us who are believers. Isn't that great? He sees us hidden in the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect living Son of God. Moving over to the New Testament for a moment. There's a wonderful prayer in John 17. It was a prayer Jesus prayed not so long before he died on the cross for our sins, prayed in full for our salvation. And as he's praying to his Father, he refers to his disciples and says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. The very glory, beauty, splendor that the Father gave to his Son. The same in a sense Jesus says, I pass on to my disciples. It's marvelous, it's marvelous. We don't, in a sense, see it. We're not aware of it somehow. But it's there. There's a glory upon us which God sees, even if we don't. The word radiance perhaps encapsulates it better. 
Moses, you remember when he came out from the presence of the Lord? His face was radiant. He was glowing. He was actually glowing. And it's worth remembering again and again that something else that happens to us when we come to Jesus uh, and this may surprise you when I use the language I'm about to use when we come to Jesus to be changed, to be saved from our sins we are immediately on that very day enrolled in a course of beauty therapy oh, that sounds good and it doesn't cost anything, there's no fee for it, there's no charge of course, of beauty therapy. Ladies, you're all smiling, yes? More beauty therapy. You're all for it, aren't you? What's actually happening? It's spiritual beauty, of course, we're talking about. Because, you see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul writes to Christian believers, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we Christians, who with unveiled faces behold and reflect the Lord's glory, we are being, present tense, continuing process, being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now many Christians haven't realized, I think, that that is actually happening to them. It is happening to us. It is happening to us. Now of course if we grieve the Spirit and quench the Spirit and in a sense, push the Spirit away and ask Him to stop doing stuff in our life, well, at our loss. But as long as the Holy Spirit is not grieved or quenched by us, He will go on, day after day. We don't see any difference. I look at the same face in the mirror in the morning, it looks like the same one I saw yesterday, but it isn't quite the same. How do you know? <laughs> because I believe the Bible, that's how I know. We're being transformed, we're being changed, little tiny bit. They say when a little teeny bit of change takes place every day for 80 years, there's bound to be a change, isn't there? Of course there is. You and I who know Jesus, we're being changed. We're in the process of being changed. Not for the better. Yeah. Not for the worse. For the better. Only, only, always for the better. That's the only kind of beauty therapy God supplies. Now if we dip over to Ephesians again and find Paul talking about the church to these people in Ephesus, he compares our relationship as Christians with our Lord Jesus to the relationship a husband has with his wife. And he says there, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. The church is variously described as the body of Christ in which he condescends to live and the bride of Christ with whom he wants the most intimate possible relationship. And the Bible tells us here that out of his love for the church, Jesus died for us. And he's working at this beauty therapy thing again, you see. He's not content just that we'll be marked by purity, though that's important. He's not content just that we'll be known as holy people who are set apart for God and we, we don't do bad stuff anymore. But he wants his bride to be seen by the watching world as a radiant church 
a radiant church. There's an ambition that every individual ought to have. A desire every church family ought to have. Lord, make us more and more a radiant. Because radiant people attract other people. There are not too many radiant people around, you know. With some very sad, hurting, troubled people in the world. They're not radiant. But thankfully, now and again, people meet someone and say, Wow, he is absolutely radiant. I remember a girl in Bishop Brigg in, in, in Kirkendillic Baptist Church six years ago. She was baptized. Girl in her forties. And when she came back, having put on her dry clothes, oh, she was absolutely glowing. She was radiant. As she had encountered the Lord afresh in that wonderful experience of baptism. God wants you and me who know him. Not to be just like Jock Thompson's bearings and all look the same. He wants us to be radiant, positively different, positively different from our unbelieving friends in a very attractive way. Ability, strength, beauty, splendor. What's next? The next thing we mention here is authority. We'll not take time to look at what is before authority and before authority, shake off your dust. Well, that's kind of important too, because we live in a dirty world and we're always in danger of being contaminated by the moral and spiritual filth around us. Anything like that that gets attached to us needs to be shaken off as fast as possible. But moving on from that, rise up, sit enthroned. It's fancy to say, rise up, sit down. <laughs> A bit like uh, exercises in the gym. No, no. Rise up, sit in throne. Ephesians 1 again. Paul is telling these people in Ephesus that he's praying for them. You know, he was a wonderful prayer warrior. He was like you folk in, 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 in Buddhism here. He really practiced prayer. And he says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He goes on to describe that power as being the same power God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power he puts into our lives. And he goes on to speak about Jesus now being exalted at the Father's right hand in the place of highest power and authority. God placed all things under the feet of Jesus. And appointed him to be head over all things for the sake of the church. Jesus is controlling the universe. He's controlling what goes on on planet earth for our sakes. For the sake of his church. His precious holy bride. Of course in Ephesians chapter 2 you see. Again we get a description of what happens to us when we become Christians. And again many Christians are a bit vague about these things. Paul says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Before coming to Jesus, we are spiritually dead. And when we come to Jesus, we are made alive. The Holy Spirit puts new spiritual life in us. Then what? <coughs> by grace. Yes, he made us alive when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And then Paul adds, and God raised us up with Christ. And where is Christ now? 
is in heaven with the Father in heaven. God raised us up with Christ and made us sit with Christ, sit with Christ where? In Middlesbrough? No. In the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, our human minds can't take this in, really. But it does mean we also have a spiritual address, and that spiritual address is in heaven itself. We are spiritually located in heaven, physically still on the earth. And that places us alongside of Jesus Christ himself. And where is he? He's on the throne of the universe, in the place of highest possible authority. That's amazing. Jesus emphasized authority particularly when he was giving his disciples their instructions as to what they were to do after he returned to heaven. And he began that little part of the end of Matthew's Gospel by saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. He declared to them that he was in a position of supreme authority both in heaven and on earth. Well, that doesn't surprise us because he is the Son of God. But what does surprise us is when we go to Luke chapter 10 and read about what happened after a number of Jesus' disciples were sent out on a mission trip and when they came back excited because of the authority and the, the power they were able to exercise over evil and Satan and so on, Jesus said to these people, and they were run-of-the-mill believers, they were not apostles, he said, I've given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. A Christian truly walking with God is a person with supernatural ability, a person with supernatural beauty or glory, and a person with supernatural authority. Oh yes. Let's just look at an example of that for a minute. It's there. Uh, well, before the example, let's go to, the, to Matthew 16. The time when Jesus asked the disciples, Who do you say I am? And Peter, always quick with an answer, said, You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And then, immediately Peter had said that, Jesus said to Peter, Blessed are you. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's the power of Satan, will not overcome the church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And what is a key for? Keys for opening doors, gates. A key is a symbol of authority. If I give somebody my car keys or my house keys, I'm giving them the right to go into my car or go into my house. Yes, same applies for you. When we hand over our keys to somebody, we're giving them the authority, the right to do that particular thing symbolized by the key. And because the key will open the lock, they've got the ability to do it. Authority is the right to do it. Ability is the power to do it. Sometimes these are separate. But sometimes, as in the case of the key, they work together. And there's Christian life. They work together. And Jesus told Peter, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is best understood as the kingly power of God operating here now. 
And Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, you can close doors and you can open them. That's what keys are for. Oh. A lot of people's lives are messed up by demonic power. Mm. Yes, the Bible makes that very clear. That until we are rescued from our sin and our sinfulness, saved by Jesus, the evil one can run rings around us. He pulls strings and makes us do things that we didn't really need to do at all. He influences our lives in a host of ways and in destructive ways. And the thing is, the Christian acting in the name of Jesus has authority to close that door, to shut down Satan's activity in that person's life. And that's pretty sobering power, pretty solemn, serious power to have. So we encounter somebody who is affected by an evil spirit. And we bind the evil spirit in the name of Jesus and command it to get out of that person's life. And we release the Holy Spirit in faith. Pray for the Holy Spirit in faith to come and do the needful to get that person turned completely around and free from everything to do with demonic power. Different examples could be given. Anyway, one more thing. Ability, beauty, authority and liberty. We sang this morning, my chains have gone. And that's wonderfully true. See, we are literally chained before we come to Jesus. We're, we're chained. Satan has a little, a little chain. We can't see it, but it's there. He's got a hook on us. Hmm, not much fun. And here, people are being told, free yourself. But, but wait a minute, hang on a minute. How can I free myself? Well, the answer is I can't. And yet, I can in cooperation with the Lord Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, where he was living an exile's life in his old age, he was about to write letters to the seven churches in Turkey, telling them of this amazing vision he had of the Lord Jesus and sending them letters from the Lord himself. And before he gets to that stage, he ascribes greatness to Jesus and says to him who loves us, present tense, not just in the past, but right now all through our life, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, made us a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. Jesus loves his people and will never cease loving us. And he's freed us by his death on the cross, by the shedding of his precious blood. He has made us capable of getting out of all spiritual slavery into freedom, liberty. And I'll show you an example of that in Luke chapter 13 right now. Luke chapter 13. <coughs> Jesus was one day in the synagogue. Luke chapter 13. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been triple crippled by a spirit for 18 years and couldn't straighten up at all. She couldn't straighten her back, this woman, for 18 long years. And it was not 
some kind of rheumatic disorder. Oh no. The Bible tells us she had been crippled by a spirit. Unfortunately, evil spirits do have the power to do this kind of thing. Any doctor who tried to treat that woman during 18 years was bound to fail because there was no medical condition to do, deal with. But an evil spirit had so affected her back she couldn't straighten it for 18 years. When Jesus saw her, I imagine immediately he saw her. He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. You are set free from your infirmity. Now I believe at that point that evil spirit had to get out fast when Jesus made that declaration. And then, then only then, did Jesus put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Oh, liberty after 18 years of being doubled over. That's a miracle of mercy. And it's in the power of Jesus and indeed in Jesus' servants to see that kind of thing happen. Oh, for miracles. Yes, Peter and John went to pray as we sang the song with the boys and girls. He went running and leaping and praising God. Why do we not see more of these things? God's power is not diminished. Our faith probably is the thing that's diminished. Our, our fear of failure and disappointment and all the rest of it. One more scripture and I'll stop. Jesus one day was talking with some Jewish folk who'd made some profession of believing in him and it didn't sound like, he didn't seem to think they were really true believers at all. And he teased them out a bit. And he said, if you continue in my word, in other words, if you really are serious about becoming my disciple, then it's going to be tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It's not just a day, it's the day thing. This, you will know the word, you will know the truth, said Jesus. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. That's another reason why every day we don't just need to ask for a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. It's another illustration of the fact that every day we need to open our Bibles and spend some time, longer or shorter time, feeding on the Word of God. What do you want to say to me today? What do you want to show me today? Because no matter how long we live, there will always be new things that we've never seen before that the Lord is capable of showing to us to help us to live more and more and more in the blessing of his supernatural enabling. Ability, beauty, authority and liberty. It's a pretty good package that. All part of our salvation. All available in our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't ever come to Jesus. I don't know all of you here this morning. Maybe you haven't ever come to Jesus, some of you. Well, don't delay. Nothing to be gained by delay. He's here. He loves you. He died for you. He laid down his life for you. That's how valuable you are in his opinion. He wants to break that power of sin in your life and set you free and enable you to live not just at the physical, material level, but at the spiritual level, the supernatural level. Wow! That's much better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have great ambitions for us. You love your children so much. 
and you want us to become the very best that you can make us help us to believe and understand that we cannot adequately change or improve ourselves we need your salvation we need your precious son to take control of our lives and make them totally new from the inside and so we ask for a work of your spirit here in this group this morning Holy Spirit do your work and bring whatever new thing, wonderful thing you want to bring into each life today in Jesus name Amen